Ladies and gentlemen, I am not dead. I don't care what Kyle tells you. It is not true. However, I have been preparing for Dungeons and Dragons because not only am I a wrestling nerd, I'm a tabletop nerd and a gaming nerd, and I'll tell you, anime nerd, basically any kind of nerd, that's me. My name is Matt Sin. You can call me Wrestle Life Matt, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt, cheap plug, and I'm here with my cousin, Kyle Polly, to tell you all about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Hey, in fairness, I said that you died, but that you were resurrected. You did say that. Uh, you, yes, you're recovering from your uh, 50 HP that you had left. Is that is that what it is? I actually yes. think that's a lot for for we're still level one, but that's okay. No big deal. No big I don't deal. have time to talk about your nerdy stuff, Matt. Like, I don't... <laughs> we have other nerdy stuff to talk about. We've got yes. we've got wrestling stuff, real yeah. stuff. Yeah, the real real nerd stuff. This is the nerdy stuff we grew up on. All right. So uh, before we get into that, today is October thirtieth. 2019, we're going to tell you a little bit about this day in wrestling history. So, 29 years ago today, that is 1990, in a dark match main event, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty defeated the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. 2-1 Two to one in a best of three falls match to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. Hmm. In a dark match. Oh, a dark match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it does does it though? I guess it does in, in in WWE. Yeah. Uh 12 years ago today, there was an ECW taping in Uniondale, New York, and Mark Henry defeated Big Daddy V, Kane, and the Great Khali in a monster match battle royal, which I'm sure was Paul Heyman's vision for ECW. So you started saying that, and I just immediately pictured the Hammerstein Ballroom and that you know unruly crowd, yep. and then you started reading off the names like Mark Henry, Big Daddy V, the Great Khali, and I was just like, okay, this does not fit. <laughs> So, uh, no, this was uh, WWE CW. It's terrible. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. probably should have clarified that from the uh, beginning. Right. <laughs> Very different. Uh, and, and today, Adam Edge Copeland is 46. Oh, nice. So he's old. He's, he's getting up there. I wonder, is he mm-hmm. still trying to get cleared or whatever? Wasn't that a thing a while back? That is a rumor. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it is not confirmed, but it is a rumor. Uh... I don't know. I never really bought it. We'll see what happens with it, but I felt like he was pretty happy whenever he got to leave or whatever. Yeah. Plus, you don't want to mess around with your neck. That's pretty pretty serious business. Mm-hmm. Especially now that he's got kids. Yeah. So, before we get into Dynamite, I do want to talk about something real quick, and I know that this might make the show a little longer, but I, I want to kind of delve deep, deep, a little deep into it. We got plenty um, of time. Yeah. Yeah. Crown Jewel. Uh, First women's match ever. Next. No, 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 no. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry that it has to be Lacey Evans versus Natalia, but the fact that they're having a women's match in Crown Jewel, that's a big deal, right? I mean, <laughs> it is in a sense. I mean, I'm happy for both of them because that's, you know, something that they'll be able to hold on to forever. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of don't know how the crowd's gonna react i mean they're pretty they're pretty relaxed i think for the most part but uh i mean it is a different country and they you know 
have had views towards women a certain way for a long time. So, I mean, Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks wrestled. Uh, where did they wrestle? Abu Dhabi. Yeah, and they were okay. So we'll see. I just don't care about Crown Jewel. So I read this and I was like, you know, I'm happy for them. But at the same time, like anything coming out of the show or like that gets announced for the show, it just makes me roll my eyes because I'm yeah. Just, yeah. So good for them. I'm happy for Natalia and Lacey Evans, but it's Crown Jewel. <laughs> so look, I think it's fair to say that the WWE, anything they do, anything, it's always about business. It's always about money. If that wasn't the case, they wouldn't have had the Saudi Arabia deal in the first place. Right. But since they have it, this is this is a good thing. This is getting women on stage in in a country that doesn't necessarily view women in the most positive light. I I'm I don't want to praise WWE for this because I'm not going to. I'll, I'll give them credit. I mean, they did say like when they first were going there. Um, I mean, people were giving them flack. I mean, obviously, especially after the Jamal right. Jogi thing, um, they were getting flack. But they pretty much said from the beginning because people were asking them about the women going or, or not being able to go and co- kind of questioned them from the start. And to their credit, they said that they were going to work towards this. So. Right. I will give them credit. I mean, I think this is all WWE kind of pushing up forward on this. I mean, they probably, you know, have been in talks with the Saudis or whoever they're talking to, to kind of make this happen. So I'll give them credit for it, for getting it done. So, I mean, it is a good thing. It's not, you know, a, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, this show. <laughs> that, yeah. You know. If it can have any sort of effect on Saudi Arabian young men to view women in a or more young positive women. light. Or yeah, or young woman, you're right. If it does that at all, this is an amazing thing and it would make the whole thing worth it for me. And I know that might be controversial, but nothing's going to happen if we go, okay, this place is terrible. Let's just sit on our hands and ignore them. If we can inspire change, whether or not it's really to make money. It's like they're um Ah, uh, what's the what's the name of the not the Susan B. Coleman the one they did just before that? Uh, I'm totally blanking on it as well. It doesn't matter. Let's just <laughs> pick any of them. Let's pick Be a Star. Sure. They did Be a Star forever, right? Well, WWE is a company full of bullies. Okay, and, but they did Be a Star, and it was all for marketing, one hundred percent, one thousand percent. It was all for marketing. But you know what? They sure did affect some kids' lives. So even though for them it was for marketing. Something good came out of it, so it's fine. So if something good comes out of this, which I think it's going to, more power to them, man. And I hope that the next time they do a pay-per-view, they have another women's match, and the next time, they have two of them. Yeah. No, I I agree. And, I mean, I think this is a good thing in the end. Um, You know, it's anytime you can, you know, enact change in a positive way, I think it's good. I'm just being selfish, so admittedly. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> well, we do yeah. like it. to be fair this is an AEW show and we enjoy burying WWE and it's because their shows have been so ridiculously bad but whether or not again I'm just surprised and, Natalia and Lacey Evans aren't uh, teaming in this match I know. but seriously what, whether or not you know it's being in Saudi Arabia is a good or bad thing it's basically we all agree that it's a bad thing 
this is something good that's coming out of it. So, yay, women of the world, really. It's yeah, great. And they could drive there now. Oh, that's was that not a thing? It was until recently. <laughs> okay, I did not. I did not know that. Well, that that is. was one of the things. And they they say uh, not to get too political, but they said that the the crown prince, the new one or whatever, uh, he, he's trying to be more progressive, and that was one of the first things that he, you know, was able to do for women was <clears throat> allow them to get driver's license and be able to drive. So. And, okay. and that's one reason WWE was pushing it, you know, towards the beginning. They they said that they thought that they could get this done. So yeah, give them credit. I think it's a good thing Interesting. Uh, in the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we've chatted about that for a little bit. And we're not going to talk about any other controversial things because you just did that on the Raw show and uh, did it very well. I might add, it was really interesting to hear the views from a graphic designer uh, talking about Jordan Miles. If you didn't hear that, go listen to the Raw show. He does a really I good talk job. About- I could talk about bad design all day. <laughs> oh man. Oh Racial man. issues, not so much, but <laughs> bad design, I will destroy every single day. I'm not sure there's a person on the planet that's more white than I am. So I don't know if I'm the, the right person to talk about it, but you know, whatever. We'll, we'll move on. We're going to talk about AEW Dynamite. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. We're going to talk all about it. We, how do we open the show? Uh, we open the show. With Tony Schiavone. Schiavone! Getting out of a plane or greeting Cody and uh, yeah. Dustin Rhodes as they uh, arrived on a private jet. And then Tony and Cody got in a limo and said they were going to start driving to the building. So it was a pretty unique opening for yeah. AEW. Uh, and then immediately after that, they had a pretty cool show recap, um, kind of recapping uh, everything that happened last week um, with John Moxley and Pac. Uh, Kenny Omega coming out and you know making the save before um, Pac was able to um, what's it called Pil- Pilmanizing mm-hmm. uh, John Moxley. So uh, he had the chair around him. around Moxley's neck and he was went yes. on the top rope and Omega came in for the save. So he he saved John Moxley. Uh, John Moxley, you know they they both stood up and had to stare down. Uh, Pac still tried to make an attack, but Adam Page was able to come in and take him out. And Adam Page in turn challenged. Pac to uh, a match at full gear. So actually he's, he says he's not asking. He's telling him they're having yeah. a match at full gear. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. I, I like that they did this. Um, you know, WWE does a lot of recaps and, you know, over a three hour show. And my wife actually said that soon she's actually going to sit there and time it. And she's actually going to be on a show and say, okay, this is how much raw you know, dedicated to recaps, which I feel like is is got to be 15, 20 minutes for every three-hour show, right? Maybe more. I mean, it's ridiculous. So yeah. AEW doesn't do that a whole lot, and I think that's great. It's the age of well, the internet, and if people really want to know what happens, I guess Google it. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that I've kind of been saying about Dynamite that I thought they needed to improve on was telling stories because they've got the wrestling down. Um, they've featured a lot of wrestling, you know, the first couple shows, but they haven't had many like backstage segments or, uh, I mean, they had the big brawl out in the concourse last week, which was awesome. Um, and, but they really haven't had like showcase character building segments. And I kind of said, you don't have to be WWE, but I think you still need those. Um, they're pretty, you know, inter- you know, important in wrestling to get these characters over. Um, yeah, and they basically came out right out of the gate and did several. 
I mean, with the Cody and Dustin getting off the plane, meeting with uh, Tony Schiavone, and then having like the immediate recap of, and telling the story of what happened last week and how it's yeah. coming this week. And then uh, actually after you know it had the announcement of Hangman Page and Pac for Full Gear, they had John Moxley showing him going backstage, uh, being called into Tony Khan's office. And uh, here Tony Khan broke the news that the match with Kenny Omega at Full Gear was now an unsanctioned match and would not be on either of their records, no matter the result, which Moxley was livid after. And uh, the fans were also not very happy with this decision. Yeah, um, what did you think about that? I don't, I don't understand why they had to make it like an unsanctioned I mean, just coming out and saying it's not going to be on anybody's record when they've kind of made the effort to keep people's records and, you know, say that, that, you know, this kind of wins and losses matter to come out and have this big match like so soon and to be like, uh, and it's not going to count on their records. Like, yeah, just have like a false care count anywhere match. Like, I mean, not like the one that was on raw, but (laughs) yeah, they've been building this since like May. Yeah, they've been building this since Moxley debuted, and now it's not going to count for their records. And you know, we to, let, let's be fair. You and I praise AEW a lot, and we kind of give WWE a hard time. But I hated this. I mean, I absolutely hated it. And I, I don't. They haven't really done a lot wrong yet, so I don't want to jump on it. And you know, it actually turned out to be okay. I will give them time, and I will give them credit, but. I absolutely hated this. This is arguably the biggest match, and Jericho says later that him and Cody's the biggest match. No, this is the biggest match in AEW history, and it's not going to count for their records. Really dumb. Really, really dumb. Yeah. If they're really, I mean, can you imagine if, okay, we're big college football fans, right? Alabama LSU was in two weeks. If they're like, oh, we're the two biggest, you know, stars, in, or we're the two, two biggest teams in all of college football, but you know what? It's not going to count for our record because we're too violent. Give me a freaking break. I hated this. I absolutely hated it. I'm just going to ignore the uh, Alabama LSU uh, football reference. <laughs> As an Auburn fan, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to talk about them either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And like I said, since they've been so adamant of like saying, you know, wins and losses matter and, you know, we're going to keep records and all this stuff, like, yeah, it's very, un, you know, characteristic of AEW to just come out and be like, yeah, this is unsanctioned now, so it's not going to count. It is very disappointing. Yeah, and it was weird. You say you hated it. Uh, so did a lot of the other fans because they pretty much booed this throughout the night. And, and also, they did. one thing it kind of does, which I also think is pretty negative, uh, Tony Khan, he's obviously the, you know, the, president, you know, the mm-hmm. owner of this company. Um, he's kind of made it clear that he didn't want to be like an on-screen character. He was just, obviously, people know who yeah. he is, but... Uh, and and he didn't. I mean, technically, wasn't on screen here, but he was a character in the show. And I mean, he right out of the gate. One of the problems with WWE the last you know several years is they've had a heel authority figure, and they paint right. the company in a negative light. I mean, it's like when Daniel Bryan, you know, wasn't you know winning matches and getting buried. Who did everybody blame? They weren't blaming his opponents. They were blaming the company. And they kind of turned into a heel company. I think they kind of still are. Um, so right. I don't know. It could be really negative that Tony Khan, you know, the leader of this company, who a lot of people like, 
is like his first on-screen appearance. He makes a very negative decision that a lot of fans don't like and that they're still probably going right. to follow through on. I don't know. It's very WWE-ish of them to do, <laughs> uh, which is not what you want to do. Yeah. It's like, you know, these are two of our biggest stars. We don't want to give one of them a loss. Like, I just can't imagine that's what AEW is doing. But, you know, nobody is perfect. And it's entirely possible this is a huge screw-up. And right now, that's what it looks like. So uh, Moxley basically ranted and he said, you just don't want your boy to get a loss. And you know what? His blood is on your hands. And then he uh, stormed out of the door and then pushed the cameraman. And uh, we had our intro. And uh, Jim Ross and Excalibur are welcoming everyone to Charleston, West Virginia. This is the first time that wrestling's or major wrestling has been in Charleston for over 20 years. Uh, They say Tony Schiavone is on his way. He's with Cody. And we open up with Sammy Guevara from the Inner Circle versus Hangman Adam Page versus, uh, that is in the Elite. And they actually mentioned that, which I thought was interesting. And it makes me wonder if they're going to be building towards an Inner Circle versus the Elite. You know, maybe like four on four or something, maybe even five on five. What do you what do you think about this match? I thought it was a really good match. Um, Hangman is kind of... I, I, I really like Hangman, and I think he's got potential to be a star. Um, this was a match that he kind of needed. Obviously he had the big match with Jericho. Um, that was good, but he ended up losing in the end and he's not really felt special since then. He's kind of still taking a backseat to the other members of the elite, uh, Cody and Kenny and the young bucks. He kind of needs to stand out and shine on his own. And I thought this was a really good way to do that. Um, this, you know, Sammy came out, he had some, you know, good heat. Hangman came out, you know, with this awesome theme music. Didn't come out on a horse, but that's okay. But they, it was a really good match. It was somewhat back and forth, but really Paige took most of this match, and it was really a showcase match for him. Basically, he was in control through most of the match, but Guevara was able to take control at some points, and he was being cocky, even you know at one point jumping up on the top rope, and then or getting up on the top rope and then jumping down and just slapping Paige, not diving on him in any way. Page was able to take him on the outside, hit this crazy sidewalk slam on the apron, which uh, really sounded like it hurt. <laughs> then he got it in the ring, hit an awesome power bomb for a near fall. And uh, Guevara was able to roll outside, and Page got up on the top turnbuckle, hit a moonsault to the outside, which is always cool for him to see. He got up on the apron and took his elbow pad off like he was going to hit the buckshot lariat, but Guevara stepped away and kind of got him, got the referee in between him and uh, Hangman. So Hangman got in the ring. Trade strikes. Guevara set up Page, uh, sent him over the top, and uh, Page landed on his feet on the apron. And Guevara went to run the ropes, and Page went over the top rope, hit the buckshot lariat, and got the pinfall. And I don't know if they're going to start using the buckshot lariat as a finish. Uh, I kind of wish they would because I really like it. So I know he's got the dead eye that he uses a lot, and he can just use both. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, I think you know it's it's fine for him to finish. You know, people off of both these moves. So, but I really like to hear, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. That was a good showcase match. Yeah, I want to point out two things. Um, Hangman Page looks like a WWE guy, and I don't mean that in a positive or a negative way. But just looking at him, he just looks like a superstar. And he yeah. looks like someone that could step in WWE right now and stand toe to toe with pretty much any of them. And this is without stepping in the ring. When he's in the ring, he, he just cements that idea. He's so good. 
He's so much fun to watch. And he doesn't look like, I mean, he's not a huge guy, but he doesn't look like someone that should be able to do what he can do. He's absolutely incredible. And I also want to point out that Sammy Guevara was wearing sparkling underpants tonight. And so I tell my beautiful wife, <laughs> playboy. Oh, Sam, yeah, I tell my beautiful wife, oh, Sammy's pants are sparkling. And without missing a beat, my wife says, yeah, that's because he's a bad guy now. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. It was great. I laughed. It was funny. Also, it was good that uh, Paige was able to cut a promo after the match because that's, that's yep. another thing. He he really hasn't said much since he's been on TV. He's kind of, like I said, taken a you know a backseat to the other members of the elite. But he actually got a you know promo time on his own here. It wasn't an amazing promo by any means. Uh, it, it was, was good fine. though. It was good. I mean, it was a lot of passion. Seconds. Yeah, I mean, a lot of passion. So that's good. Um, he did say, uh, and uh, you might have to bleep this, but I'm going to say it. Because there's a reason. He did say he promised to do some real cowboy shit at full gear, and he was going to take Pac's head off. And as soon as he said that, crowd starts chanting it. And uh, I'd immediately thought, if they don't have a t-shirt ready by Thursday morning, <laughs> that's I mean, that should be his catchphrase. Like, seriously. And Yeah. He's used it before. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was great. Um, like I said, they definitely need to make a shirt out of it right now and have it for sale at full gear. Cause I thought that was great. And the crowd was chanting it as well. So hopefully that catches on because it's great. Yeah. I'm pretty I, sure it made it me laugh. Yeah. He basically said he was going to take Pac's head off. Uh, and then, yeah, that's basically it. Yep. We go to the picture in picture mode and we see private party backstage with rock and roll express. They're all having a very nice time. They also show um, and, highlights in the picture in picture, which. Yeah. Which, which was, was pretty good. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not during the middle of the match. Exactly. <laughs> Um, basically, Rock and Roll Express have the tag titles, and yeah. they looked amazing. They're very, very good looking titles. We moved to, we went to, or as soon as we got back from that picture in picture commercial, we had Shanna debut. She's a Portuguese wrestler that was born in Lisbon, Portugal, and raised in France. And she has been part of, let's see if I can pronounce this right. I, I know some of these I can, but. Federation Francaise de Catch Professionnel, which is French, obviously. Sure. Uh, but some that you may have heard of, Pro Wrestling Eve, Southside Wrestling Entertainment, Kamikaze Pro, International Pro Wrestling, and Pro Wrestling Ulster. I have not heard of them. Um, but she's also wrestled in WXW, GWF, and uh, AIW. Oh, and apparently Combat Zone, which I did not see earlier. So she's yeah. been all over the world. She's been wrestling for quite some time, apparently. And uh, she wrestled the returning Hikaru Shida, who now lives in America. We knew that she was moving here, and she's officially here now. She owns a bank account. She does have a bank account. That's what they said, that it, that makes her official. And as a banker, I will tell is, you, I was it, it is better official. find out if she's got a bank account with you guys. Yeah, I'll check. I'll check and see. I mean, we are a Jacksonville-based bank, so and that's uh, where AEW is based out of, too. So we'll see. We'll see. What did you think about this match? Because I'm, I'm really, I was really interested to hear your thoughts. I've I'd heard of Shanna before. I, I really haven't seen much of her, but I, I I think she's pretty new, and it definitely seemed like it in this match. Uh, Sheeta, I, I don't know how she, new she is either. You might have to tell me, you know, how how long she's been in. I, cause yeah, I, I'll, I'll look it up right now. Yeah, but it, I don't know. They, my my girlfriend was actually watching this match with me, um, and uh, I think she likes, you know, she likes Becky Lynch. She kind of w- likes to watch the other. Uh, women's matches and she so she was paying attention to this match and early on she was pretty much like uh are they like 
developmental. She just knows that word because I've used it for like NXT or something. And she was just like, because they seem pretty new. And uh, I was like, I think they are like fairly new. I, I don't know. Like it was slow at points when it, I don't feel like it needed to be slow. Um, they, the end was a little bit better. Uh, I felt like overall the match went on longer than it should have gone on for. Um, they probably could have done what they needed to do in a shorter amount of time and it would have been a better match. Uh, and it went through a commercial break. It was okay. Basically, um, they, and Shanna, she was selling, <laughs> it was kind of funny to watch with, you know, my girlfriend, who's not a big wrestling fan to see Shanna, like really do the indie flop. Like after every, yeah, big I know. Move or whatever she would get need and then like almost scorpion herself by bending her back so much. Like it was okay. It wasn't a great match but toward the end. The crowd kind of got into it. Uh, basically towards the end of the match, um, Shanna tried an angel's wings, but she'd have blocked it. And she hit a pile driver on her, but she rolled the apron. She just suplexed her back uh, on the top from the top rope back inside the ring for a near fall, which is pretty cool. Um, Shanna countered a or Shanna countered a knee strike and got a cradle for a two um, two count. She have got up and hit another jumping knee strike. Um, hit a falconer for a near fall. She got up and hit another knee strike on Shanna, and then she. Uh, I guess it was like a shining wizard. Yeah, it's the same finisher that I buried Tegan Knox for doing on NXT yeah. last week. So I, I have to bury Cheetah here too. I I don't think the shining wizard should be a finisher. Yeah, at least with a uh, Tegan Knox, she's got those big knee braces on, so at least metal's hitting your face. Right. Uh, but here, yeah, it's just basically a shining wizard, and it's good enough to get her the three count. So um, I mean that, like I said, the end of the match was a little bit better once they picked it up, but I felt like they were taking time on stuff in the beginning that they didn't need to take their time on. I mean, I don't know if it was because they were lost or if they were just trying to take it slow because they had so much time, but yeah, I think it was a lot longer than it needed to be. It probably should have been a little bit shorter, but yeah, towards the end they picked it up and, you know, made it okay. What'd you think? Yeah. That's kind of what I thought too. Like as I was watching the beginning of this match and Sheeta was, and I can, I'll give you some history on Sheeta and Shanna here in just a second. Um, as they were, you know, starting out this match and Cheetah was just controlling the whole thing, I thought, okay, this is a squash match. She's going to beat her in five, six minutes. You know, it should be fine. It went on way too long. It was like 11 or 12 minutes. And, I, you know, it seems silly for wrestling fans to complain about a match being too long. But this one didn't need to be 12 minutes long. It yeah. didn't. And uh, Hikaru Shida is one of my favorite women on the roster. She debuted in 2008, and she is she's not new. I mean, she pretty much started wrestling in, in major companies then. Uh, Shanna's technically debuted in 2006, but she hasn't didn't work for a major company until 2014. She had uh, one single match with TNA, hmm. and then she joined uh, World Wonder Ring Stardom in 2016. Now she may because all those other companies I named off aren't listed here on on this Wikipedia page, so maybe she has been wrestling longer than that. I'm not sure. Um, nothing against Shanna. I don't think she did a poor job. I just don't think she did a great job. And as much as we praise AEW, if you're comparing AEW to NXT's female roster, it's not even close. And honestly, if you look at the top tier AEW women's roster, which a lot of the really good ones, Awesome Kong hasn't even had a match on Dynamite yet. And she was on this show like for a few seconds later in the show. And I don't know. 
I just feel like their their women's roster is really lacking, and Shanna is not like someone that's blowing the doors off the place. Yeah, I mean NXT's probably got one of the strongest women's divisions right now. Um, obviously, the main roster on Raw and SmackDown are, you know, they got Becky Lynch and Charlotte, Sasha. Um, but man, even Impact has a really good uh, women's roster. I mean, they've got yeah, Tennille Dashwood, Taya Valkyrie, um, Jordan, um, Jordan Grace, Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, yeah Tessa Blanchard. She's <laughs> I kind of forgot about her for a second. I I just like she popped in my head as soon as you said her name because she is yeah. like basically in the main event picture of their whole entire show. Um, yeah. But yeah, they have a really talented women's division there. Um, ROH is you know a pretty good women's division. And honestly, AEW probably has the weakest one out of all those companies right now. Yeah. Um, they really need to, right. they really need to kind of step it up. I think Sheeta has a real chance to be someone good. I think Riho is over. Um, Britt Baker, okay. Uh, yeah. Nyla Rose has been fine. But I kind of agree. Awesome Kong is one of their best – I mean, their biggest star really in the women's division. Um, her and Brandy Rhodes probably. Just you yeah. know, from people knowing who they are, uh, so they should definitely. I mean, they're on the show, so they'll probably start. You know, we'll see more of them later on. But yeah, from right now, the women's division is a little bit lacking on AEW. Yeah, I agree. Uh, after this, we had something weird, strange. We had this vignette for Brandy, and like she had these photos around her, and like. I think it was just a bunch of the women's division roster, right? Like I saw Nyla and I know I saw Britt. I think I saw Riho, but like, I don't really know what was going on. Like she looked like a, uh, like a, like a voodoo woman. Yeah, exactly. And then awesome Kong's like bringing some blonde hair and she's like cutting a hunk of it with like this giant, like, I don't know, this huge sharp thing. I don't know what it's called. And, uh, like a meat cleaver. Yeah. And Brandy looks like she's like casting a spell or something. Like, and she maybe screams she's sister Abigail. a bunch of candles. Sorry. So maybe she's sister Abigail. Maybe she is sister Abigail. <laughs> and so she screams, blows out a bunch of candles and that was it. And it was weird, but again, I'm okay. Waiting for a payoff. But Brandy's segment last week was also the worst segment of the show. So well, you she know. just pointed last week, which exactly. also got a replay on the show. I know. <laughs> so, it was weird. Um, uh, yeah, very strange segment. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if it's if Brandy's going to like turn into a character and just kind of you know be a part, that's that's one thing. It, if they did something like that, I'd be okay with it. But also, I wouldn't want to see her at Cody's side. You know. Yeah. Well, herself. she said on Twitter that she was no longer going to accompany him because she thinks she distracts him. So maybe that was her way of uh, distancing her from him. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see her as like a, you know, maybe an evil manager of Awesome Kong. And then like, I mean, she'll obviously get in the mix at some point in the ring. But uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I mean, we have, we've had the Firefly Funhouse this year. So I don't want to just, you know, crap all over something at the very beginning. Let's give it a chance and yeah. see where they go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris Van Vliet is up on the top of the ramp. And he introduces. It was just looking dapper. He was. He introduces the Rock and Roll Express, and they got and a they come out, pop. huge pop. Yeah, yeah. They come out. They talk about how well, I think they said thirty 
33 years ago. They beat Arn and Ole Anderson in that very building. Got a huge, huge pop. And then they before they could even... Promo. Yeah. Before <laughs> I mean, they, they could even really start a promo, Santana and Ortiz came out and just starts attacking them. Yeah. Big heat. So that was good. Yeah. It was great. And uh, yeah, they attack both of them. They take uh, one of them. I can't remember which is which. They take one of them and powerbomb him through... It's it's one of the little fall things that's a soft fall. But the dude's like 70. I think Ricky it was Morton. Robert Gibson. I think it's Ricky Morton. Okay. Either way, it doesn't matter. He's 70 years old, and he just took a huge bump. Blew my mind. Hey, they're, they're still working. They still yeah, work. No. Yeah, no. The, the crowd absolutely destroyed... Uh, LAX, who's now called Proud and Powerful, I think. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely destroyed them verbally. I mean, they hated them for gift, for this. They got huge heat. It was absolutely perfect. And uh, Young Bucks came out and checked on Morton and Gibson, and uh, we go to commercial. Yeah, they came out in uh, shiny red and white pants. <laughs> yeah. Which we find out what they were later, but uh, yeah. What did you think of this? I really liked it. I mean, they're doing a good job. I mean, Sammy Guevara is getting heat in the first segment. Proud and powerful come out here, and I mean they get some great heat. They're doing a good job of getting heat for uh, the inner circle, and even Jericho uh, later on did a good job of you know getting some heat. So, right, I think they're doing a good job with it. Um, they're, I mean, just a true heel stable. They're all over the the show, um, but in a good way, not over overdone. So, I, hey, I really enjoyed it, and they kind of. You know, put their stamp. Obviously, they're going to have a match with the Young Bucks, but they kind of also put their stamp on. You know, the tag team division come out and, you know, attacking them and grabbing the belts, and you know, they, I mean, it was definitely making a statement. So I, I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I thought it was really great. I absolutely popped when uh, uh, Morton took that power bomb spot. They just, it just looked so good. Yeah, it was great. It was just fun. It was very different. This could have never worked. I don't think it could have worked in WWE. You know, to get getting that heat from, you know, it's, these guys aren't WWE legends; they're wrestling legends. And I, I was going to say I they probably it. wouldn't even brought so Rock and Roll Express in to do this. No, <laughs> no, and WWE fans wouldn't have known who they are. So yeah. So we go. We're in a limo now, and Tony Schiavone are and Cody are on the way to the arena, and they tell Tony tells Cody a story about uh, how. He met Willie Nelson, and they're by the pool, and he goes up to check and see where Dusty Rhodes is. And he knocks on the door. Dusty says, come in. Tony comes inside, and Dusty's standing there buck naked, which is yeah, sounds like And Cody goes, classy. And I'm like, exactly. Like, Doesn't that sound like Dusty Rhodes? And so he says, uh, uh, is Willie downstairs yet? And Tony says, yes, Dusty, he's there. And Dusty said, good. He gets up and starts getting dressed, and he says, the biggest star always shows up last. And yeah. So basically he said that they were making Chris Jericho wait for him. Yeah. Um, great story. And basically then Cody went on to tell uh, that his mom was going to be at full gear. So he really wanted to impress her. And uh, I mean, they, they did a good job here of Cody, like kind of talking about his mom, but uh, you've, you know, that in and of itself is good, but, it's also good because if you've heard anything from Cody in the last couple of years, he's really, you know, talked, you know, glowingly about his mom. Obviously she's, a, you know, the biggest critic, which he, you know, points out all the time. But um, he also, you know, points out that she's, you know, it, she's 
his biggest fan. So uh, I really like right. you know being him being able to say that she's going to be at full gear and uh, that he wanted to. Tony was encouraging him to use that as like an emotional rocket or something. It'll be awesome to see her there. I'm sure she'll probably she might be at ringside or something, but it'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's a really, really good, good segment. Uh, while that was playing, QT Marshall, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds come out, and QT Marshall is is fairly well known on the independent scene. John Silver and Alex Reynolds, maybe I don't know who they are, but I know that they jobbed out last week as well. So I knew they were going to lose this match. They didn't even really get their own entrance. And uh, Best Friends and Orange Cassidy come out for a six-man tag match. This this episode was sponsored by Rick and Morty, by the way. And uh, they come out dressed as Rick and Mor- Morty. And I haven't seen the show, Kyle. Do you know, was Orange Cassidy a different character? I have no idea. <laughs> he looked like Rick. They both... I, I have some both. friends who watch Rick and Morty. I do not. It's just... Uh, I don't know if I'm too old for it or what, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really seem interesting to me, but I could be wrong. I've seen it could clips be great. of it. And if, if it's great, tell I've us seen in the clips comments. of it and uh, it's funny, but uh, I just haven't, you know, seen enough episodes of it or anything or seen the full episode of it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's good cross promotion because they're kind of going after a young demographic that WWE doesn't have. And it's definitely a younger demographic, you know, that people are yeah. fans of the show. So I think it's very smart of them to have, this kind of thing. I also really like the uh, the lime green turnbuckles that were sponsored by Rick and Morty. I thought those were pretty cool, and they should keep them. <laughs> I think we should be fair, though. If WWE did this, wouldn't we bury it? Um, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. was it was definitely yeah. total comedy. But unlike on Raw, when it was just like a squash match, and the you know it was just for like cheap you know cheap heat to get you know the Viking Raiders over. This was more. Mm-hmm. It was a shameless plug, and it was obviously cross promotion. Like you know, um, so, so, I mean, I don't know. It was such a fun match, though. Like you know, with all the characters in it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't like I was. I, I really enjoyed this too. I just, it was fine. It it was good actually. Even I just I want to be fair, and if it was in WWE, I, maybe WWE just wouldn't handle if this it as like well. Kenny Omega maybe and the Young Bucks doing this, it'd be a different story. Yeah, yeah. best friends are the perfect guys yeah. to do this because they're they're you know giant dorks, but in a good way. Yeah, so I think it fit. So that's what made it not so like you know it was it didn't feel like it was you know shoved in our face or anything. It you know felt like they were just you know being goofy. And it's Halloween. Yeah, I could so. see heavy machinery doing this. And yeah, it's it Halloween, so I was cool with it. Yeah, okay, cool. Tell us about the match. Uh, I mean, it was basically just a you know total comedy match. Uh, like like you know, like we said, they came out dressed as Rick and Morty. Orange Cassidy was Orange Cassidy. Um, basically, <laughs> Trent kept losing his wig, uh, which was you know funny, and uh, Jobbers were able to kind of get some heat on them, which was you know interesting. It wasn't a total squash match, but Orange Cassidy got in the ring at one point, hit his trademark kicks, and the crowd was going nuts for them. The announcers were saying that, you know, Cassidy's laying it into him. Uh, then he hit the uh, top road suicide dive with his uh, hands in his pockets like normal. And he got back in the ring, and the ref put his glasses on him, which, you know, was all all good fun. And basically the match ended when uh, Trent was able to uh, grab Sil- Silver. Is that his name? John Silver. And uh, Taylor and Trent hit him with the uh, – Hit him with a strong zero for the win. Yeah, the match was fine. The hug spot was really funny. Like they they tried to hug, 
and Q- I think it was QT Marshall broke it up. And then, so Orange Cassidy came for the save, and that's when the ref actually put his glasses on him. Yeah, and then he they hugged him. Yeah, with, with him, him in the middle. Hugged, yeah, with him in the middle of them. So, yeah, it, it was great, and obviously the fans loved it. It was good, and this this is good comedy wrestling. You don't really get that very often in WWE. You just get, hey, look, this person is funny, but it's not comedy wrestling. It's just that that person, like Big E or Otis, are so good and so funny that they get it over. This was actually booked very well. Yeah, they kind of just create the comedy themselves and through their characters. They don't do it off a script, so it's genuine. Mm -hmm. You know, what a foreign concept. I know. (laughs) So, so that's basically what this was here. Yeah. So we have uh, AEW World Champion Chris Jericho, which is has this awesome like purple jacket with jack-o'-lanterns all over it. It was his David S. Pumpkins jacket. It was so good. And you know so, what that is, Matt? I have no idea. What is it? <laughs> David S. Pumpkins is an SNL character uh, that Tom Hanks played as or whatever. I have no clue. You should look it up after. None. Okay. And, uh, it's not so, very funny, but it's it's pop cultural. He's up at the top of the ramp, and he's waiting. And here comes Cody Rhodes. He cuts a little bit of a a little bit of a promo, and then Cody signs. Jim Ross says that Cody's signing because he's the uh, challenger, and it's customary for the challenger to sign first. Chris Jericho pretends to start signing. Then he gets up and grabs the table like he's going to flip it over onto Cody. And then he laughs about it. He says, Skiavone sucks, which popped me hard because I haven't heard him call Tony Giovanni Skiavone in decades. And it made me very, very happy. And uh, he says that he wouldn't do something stupid like flip a table over because this is the most important match in AEW history. He signs it. And he says, you know what, Cody? I'm going to shake your hand. And Cody shakes his hand. And Chris Jericho, nothing, nothing bad. He starts to turn away, but Cody does not let go. Pulls him close. They nearly kissed. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was really <laughs> close. Uh, Jericho told Cody that, you know, if he wins, he gets what he always wanted. He wants to be the champion. And uh, he says, you know what? <laughs> Actually, called, he told the crowd. Uh, they're, they're screaming. And he goes, calm down, hillbillies. And everyone freaked out. It was so good. Huge. So good. And then he tells Cody that he could stand there all night, but Cody might be needed elsewhere. And then the screen comes on right behind them, and it was just a really cool shot. And Sammy Guevara is on the screen, and he is basically coaching Jake Hager on what to do, and he is beating the snot out of Dustin Rhodes. Actually, to start with, Sammy's like you know got the camera on him, and he's trying to get Cody's attention. Yeah. And then he kind of flips to the side. And Dustin was actually getting the better of Hager to start with. That's <laughs> right. Like, wait, That's wait, true. what's going on here? Like, I was kind of confused. Mm-hmm. But then Hager slammed him against the uh, limo, and then it was uh, pretty much all downhill from uh, there. Yeah, it was. He basically put it. He put his head in the limo, and he dented the limo. I'm sure that that was all pre-planned. I'm sure there was a way that they made that happen. But at the same time, it looked amazing. And uh, so Cody's Cody comes out. Cody and MJF are coming out to help, and uh, he they scre- he screams at the security to get them out of here. And the camera zooms in on Chris Jericho and says, "You might want to take him to the hospital, man." Is it, it was just so good. I mean, it just blows my mind how Chris Jericho can have these subtle changes in his character, 
and it's just it's always good. Yeah, he knows how to be a heel, and uh, also mm-hmm. to note, um, I don't know, I don't think they actually said anything on it on commentary, but one thing I noticed, um, so Jake Hagar, he his actual last fight was this past weekend in Bellator. Yep, and he got disqualified uh, by an illegal knee to the groin, uh, unintentional in his fight, uh, but hey, it works great for him because he's a heel. Uh, so he got a no contest in his fight, still undefeated. Uh, and he was winning that fight. Um, but when he pinned Dustin up against the limo, he kind of reared back and paused a little bit to kind of, you know, bring more attention to it. And he need him in the crotch for a low blow. Uh-huh. So that might be something that Jake Hager is going to take advantage of and start using it kind of as a signature move. Um, I think he probably yeah. will. So we after that, we have Hybrid 2, which is Angelico and Jack Evans, and Kip Sabian versus the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian come out. They have Hybrid 2's music, and all three of them came out. It was fine. Uh, Kenny Omega comes out, and as, as soon as his music hits, it plays for like two seconds. And then he gets interrupted by this, I can only explain it, it's like this classic video game. It says something about, I can't remember exactly what it says, but basically he's talking to Kenny, and he says, why don't you let me take this one? Kenny highlights what was I think what he said is can I be a replacement and Kenny Omega says yes but it was it was just a little weird like it had his friends so it had Riho and the Young Bucks and Hangman Page and then it talked about how it was going to hurt them and then they came back with all these weird faces and the whole point was just so Kenny Omega come out in a Sans costume from Undertale and I haven't played Undertale I've heard it was absolutely amazing but and I love classic video games, so I enjoyed this, but I'm not sure it was a hit with everyone. I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I haven't played it until <laughs> I've heard of it, obviously. Um, and actually, now that you say that, I recognize what I knew his costume was something, and I've I've seen it before. So now I'm making the connection, but just seeing it on my own, I didn't make that connection. Uh, but yeah. I started liking this a lot because, I mean, obviously we're both gamers, so like the classic video game thing. But I thought it was like, I mean, it came on like a boss in a video game. Like it was two like evil eyes. Yeah, I thought like Marty Squirrel was coming. Yeah, so it had like two evil eyes, like a boss, and he was kind of, you know, giving a monologue to Kenny Omega, I felt like. And he was, yep. and then the the New Japan Lion Mark uh, made a, you know, appearance, which is kind of strange because they're, yeah. not on good good terms or not like in a working relationship. So I was like, okay, does that mean they are working with them or something? Is this like a, is somebody going to debut and attack Omega or like, it kind of felt like a big thing. And then it like showed, you know, all the elite and saying like, but you know, Kenny, they're not your real friends or something. And then it, you know, hinted at Kota Bushi somehow or something. And then I, I don't know. I just I had no idea what this was supposed to mean. <laughs> I guess it was just, they just wanted a, an intro for him, but like, it was so puzzling during, like during it. And then after it, cause I was like, what was the point of that? I liked the idea yeah, like, of it. Like, like even, and even the execution of it, of like being like a classic video game type thing, but yeah, the purpose of it and like what it meant. I mean, it fell short on me. I don't know. Like, 
what it was supposed to be. It just ended up being strange. Yeah. Yeah, I was really hyped because I thought it was going to be a new debut, and it was basically someone well, saying, oh, I'm coming for I you, I thought Kenny. it was going to kind of be a tease and just be like a character talking to Omega or something and like delivering a message and yeah. just kind of going away, and then Omega would just kind of be puzzled. But yeah. yeah, it was just a very strange video package. Yeah, it was super weird. The match was good, though. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, yeah, very entertaining match. Um, I mean, could have been the best match on the show. Uh, just, just, to- I mean, not to say, you know, TNA or give them a shout out, but this was total nonstop action. Um, basically the elite came out, they were all dressed as game characters. Like we said, Kenny Omega from Undertale and Young Bucks came out as, uh, Ryu and Ken, which was awesome. Uh, and they yep. looked great. So that's why they had the white pants and the red pants on earlier. Um, yep. So, yeah, so they basically come out, um, and they uh, Sabian and the Hybrid Two, I guess is what they're calling him, attacked. Uh, it's a dumb name. Yeah, so they, they attacked them at the uh, opening bell, sent the Young Bucks to the floor. Omega basically made a comeback on his own, um, hit a basement drop kick and um, on Evans and on Helico. Then, uh, I mean, Evans was really great in this match too. Um, he he had a bunch of really cool moves. He had a springboard foot stomp at one point. Uh, Sabian cut uh, Omega off and the Bucks were able to recover. They went for a hot tag, but the heels cut him off and um, basically isolating Matt Jackson in the ring. Uh, then we go into commercial break. We came back and the Bucks were running wild. They hit Tana Moonsaults, a springboard splash on Sabian for a two count. Omega and Jack Evans both got hot tags and Omega hit a Snapdragon suplex. Uh, he, he missed a V trigger on Evans at one point and the match basically broke down and everybody was just going, hitting crazy moves. It was just insane. Um, the elite at one point hit tandem, uh, super kicks on Evans, which was awesome. Omega hit a V trigger, uh, then hit Evans with a one winged angel and got the pin. And yeah, this match was just nonstop action. I mean, typical young bucks. Uh, I mean, great trios match. So yeah. If they do a trios division, which I, I hope they do, I mean, I think it'd be great, you know, to have, you know, more teams featured, especially if, when you got people like Best Friends and Orange Cassidy and even, you know, Jungle Boy, um, Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. Like if they do a trios division, I think it could be super entertaining um, if they're, you know, like this match. Jack Evans is such an unsung hero. Every match that he's been in in AEW, he's just been so good. He's such a talented guy. And let me give you a little example. So in the very first match, Sammy Guevara had just a very small botch. It wasn't that big of a deal, but Adam Page went for a belly to back, and then Sammy Guevara does the backflip, just like we've seen a thousand times in wrestling matches. But he trips a little bit, falls on his butt. It's okay. He gets right back up and goes back on the attack. No big deal. Well, this happened to Jack Evans, and he landed perfectly. Now, I'm not saying that that's something special because a lot of that happens to a lot of people, but everything he did in this match was so fluid and it just looked so good. I I wish that he was highlighted more. And he's basically there at this point just to kind of job out, be a jobber to the stars, but he's so talented. Well, him and Angelica both are. They're they they yeah. both are capable of doing some really cool stuff, so that's why I think they would shine in like a trios. Um, I mean, even as in a, you know, as a tag team, uh, yep. I do. I agree. I hope they feature them more later down the road. 
because um, yeah, I agree. That, like Evans was just awesome. He, he basically at one point he was uh, they were in the corner or something, and um, he was able to hit a springboard moonsault off of Matt Jackson's back onto yeah. Nick on the floor. Like, so just, good, yeah, just awesome, awesome moves in this match. Just you know, back and forth, craziness broke out. There weren't any rules, and I always complained about that. But you know what? In this match, I thought it was okay because it ended up being awesome. So, yeah, it's great. I do have one small complaint. Uh, Kip Sabian, for some reason, is a bad guy now, I guess. Because he's been good since the company started, and he definitely played a heel with a tag team of heels. So, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a – it was just a little play, strange. Didn't he play a heel when he went up against Adam Page? No, uh, it was a face versus face match. Okay, he played a little bit of a heel inside the match because Paige is so over. Yeah, but like before the match, he cut a promo about how he was excited to face him, but you know he he doesn't want to be overlooked and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's I, true. I don't know. Yeah, it was just it was a little weird. He, After the match, though, here. he he did a uh, he did do a really good job. Yeah, and at one point he got a lot of heat because he interrupted Omega's. Uh, pose the terminator pose and he was you know slapping the mat in the terminator uh-huh. clap and then he threw up to the outside and basically did the same thing got a lot of heat and he did a flip on the outside and got caught for a power bomb <laughs> so yeah. yeah great match so if you get a chance to go watch it um go check it out because it was really fun it was incredible so good after the match was over uh young bucks and kenny were outside you know slapping hands with some fans the Young Bucks slap hands with these guys that are wearing Rick and Morty masks. There were a bunch of people wearing these masks all throughout the crowd. And, like, they hold on to their hands and they don't let go. And they take off their mask and then pull them over the guardrail. And it's Santana and Ortiz. They start attacking them. Uh, Kenny Omega jumps the rail and grabs a chair and the two run away. And it was just a cool little spot. It was good. Yeah, and usually when there's, like, guys in the crowd like this, it doesn't really, like, work. You kind of see it coming from a mile away or something. They did a really good job yeah. of like making it seem like they were just random fans. And like, yep. I was kind of pa- like, I took pause for a second because they were slapping hands and they just, what basically happened is they slapped hands and they clasped onto both their hands and wouldn't let go. And right. I was, it, I kind of paused for a second. I was just like, uh, what's going on? And they yeah. just pulled them right over and pulled their mask off. And I was like, oh, that was pretty clever. Like, yeah, it was really good, and like you said, they weren't just wearing Ricky Morty, uh, Rick and Morty masks. That like, you know, they were the only ones. They were all out in the crowd of people wearing them, so it fit right in. Like they did a really yeah. clever job with it. Let's not forget the greatest uh, mask wrestler of all time, uh, my favorite childhood wrestler Sting, <laughs> who in TNA wore a Sting mask. Hit, I think it was, was it Rob Van Dam? Yes, it was. Hit, hit Rob Van Dam with a chair, took off the Sting mask to reveal. Sting in his face paint. It was. It's like one of my favorite wrestling gifts that I still laugh so at to this stupid. day. <laughs> it's so stupid. My oh, cousin man. who like is familiar with wrestling. He even knows who Sting is, but doesn't watch it at all. Um, but he he knows about it since you know he was a kid or whatever. He fe- yeah. he came across it one day and felt the need to send it to me, and he was like, "What in the world is this?" <laughs> and I had to explain it to him, and even then he was like, "It's still ridiculous." But we both thought it was hilarious. So good. So good. So after we get back from commercial, Peter Avalon and Leva Bates are coming out. And Peter Avalon is in his like Ric Flair robe. Cutting he's cutting a promo on the microphone. And he he's basically shushing the crowd. And he says it's Halloween, which is perfect because all of you are hideous monsters. Ha 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 ha. 
He comes in. He says it makes. He comes in the ring. He says it makes sense why wrestling hasn't been here in twenty years because this is a absolutely rotten. <laughs> he says this is an absolutely rotten city. Uh, and Moxley is comes comes out of the crowd, DDTs him, and then cuts an incredible promo, an absolutely incredible promo. And this is really what I've been clamoring for. What we've all been clamoring for, really, is to give these guys a live microphone. Adam Page did a good job earlier. It was very short, but I'm glad that he was able to get on the mic. And John Moxley, basically, he's stomping around the ring like he's got adult ADD. And it's it's he just does such a good job. He's so passionate. He tells Tony Khan that, you know, I can't believe that you're trying to protect your boy. You know that I'm going to absolutely destroy the guy. You know, I came in here to challenge the biggest guy in your company. And then now when I beat him, when I beat him, within an inch of his life, I might add, that win won't count on my record. He swears a couple times. It it was so passionate, and I'm so glad they finally gave him a microphone. It was incredible. Yeah, um, it was a really good promo. The only negative... I would say is a the stipulation of which we've already talked about because the fans hate it. Yeah, I don't um, like that at all. So the fans are not a you know they're 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 not liking it at all. It's just very WWE ish for them. Maybe they'll change it. Maybe they'll hear the fans and be like you know well you know maybe it's something they'll you know go deeper into and you know maybe they'll backtrack on it. Who knows? But uh, I mean they were booing it every time Moxley mentioned it. Um, but also kind of. Like I said, it kind of paints AEW, you know, it kind of gives them a heel, you know, like a um, heel, uh, like figurehead or, you know, painting Tony Khan as like the enemy or something. And, right. you know, he kept saying like, Kenny Omega's your boy. So that kind of loops him in with it. So I don't know. It was a great promo on Moxley's part, but I don't know. It's just, I'm not liking the, it's it's really been a negative that they did this unsanctioned thing like out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it hasn't helped this you know story at all. I, you know, if they're gonna do it though, Moxley did a good job putting it over. Yes, he did. Uh, then we get to the main event, and it is the tag team championship, the finals of the tag tournament, SCU Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus the Lucha Brothers, and you could see Private Party. They were sitting at ringside. The Dark Order were backstage, and Evil Uno was, you know, getting this weird throne of I people. Love, I actually love that. <laughs> Do you really? Well, they were because it showed uh, obviously Private Party sitting in the front row, and then just so then backstage. And normally in WWE, they're like they got their head turned sideways and looking at the you know sideways TV, and you know has this weird thing. But they just showed Dark Order like getting ready to sit down and watch this match, and <laughs> all of a sudden the minions start running in and creating a throne for. Uh, uh, Uno to sit on. <laughs> it's just like that's great. I mean, it's just well, it's not wrestling, it. but it was fantastic. I loved it. It made me laugh. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, this match, four thumbs up from me. What did you think? Uh, I didn't like the start of it because they didn't get entrances. Okay, well that's fair. <laughs> it was so they came back basically from the um, the the commercial or whatever, and they're just kind of both in the ring. And they had a good intro to them, but I was just like, it's kind of a big match. They should probably, you know, get real entrances, but 
And it was the main event of the show, so it just felt a little strange. Okay. Yeah, I get that. But as far as the match goes, it was really good. Uh, once again, also, if you're a fan of rules, this is not the match for you because uh, I like, uh, what is it Audrey Edwards? Aubrey. The referee, Aubrey Edwards. Uh, she tried to do, have some kind of order in this match. There were times where she was counting illegal men in the ring, very slow counts, but she was counting. Yeah, so they, you know, a lot of that going on where people would just kind of run in and do as they pleased. Uh, so that was kind of a negative. But other than that, this is a really entertaining match. I mean, obviously the Lucha Brothers are fantastic. SCU did a good job. Uh, I did note that, um, and I mentioned it to you because uh, you asked me, I was a little bit behind um, on the show. You had already finished the show and I was kind of watching the main event yeah. at the time. And you asked me where I was in this match. I said, well, Kazarian just died yep. on the apron. Uh, he basically went for a Hurricane Rana off the top rope while Phoenix was on the apron. He spun and then just went splat on the apron. And then Phoenix still sold the Hurricane Rana. Yep. And Kazarian had to hold his head. And I was like, yeah, yep. he almost died. It looked real nasty. <laughs> so that looked, looked very painful. Um, also, it was a great match. But what did you think about the finish? Oh, the random inside cradle? It was very sudden. And I almost, like, it was a really good match. It was very entertaining. But for the culmination of the tag team tournament. It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. These guys have, I mean, really had a blood feud because they've attacked each other so much. I don't know. The indie kind of fell flat to me. And I felt like it really hurt the match as a whole because, the, I mean, it came out of nowhere. The fans weren't expecting it at all. It was kind of a deflating victory in some sense. Yeah. Oh, what do you think? My only problem with it is, and again, surprise roll-ups are a little bit different. That They were in the middle of doing moves to each other, and he just got it out of nowhere. Um, when I, As soon as it counted to three, I looked at my phone. It said 9.59. And I'm wondering if they legitimately ran out of time. And I think that's why they didn't get the entrances. I wonder if they ran out of time and they're like, you got to roll them up. We got to get this show cut off because last week, the big rumor is the reason we didn't see Pac attack Moxley and Kenny Omega come in to make the save and hangman attack or, or, you know, challenge page, uh, excuse me, hangman challenge Pac is because they ran out of time. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's very plausible considering last week was week four. Yes. So I think that might have been a legitimate reason why, because I wasn't expecting it to end. I was I was absolutely surprised. So and I, I, and I felt like the match was short for what it was. It's like 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for a normal match, it wasn't, you know, that short. But for the world tag team title match for main event, uh, the very first tag team, you know, the, culminating this tournament, this blood feud, I feel like it was a short match. And yeah. It, Obviously, had a very sudden ending. Like I said, it was weird. They didn't get entrances. And that all kind of wrapped up. Basically, at the end of it, I kind of thought that might have been the case. I was like, did they not have enough time? Um, you know, were they running out of time? And they kind of rushed to this. But then I kind of went back and thought, AEW has, uh, you know, we've said time and time again that this is a wrestling show. Um, they, I mean, they, they're featuring wrestling heavy. And it's, especially in their first couple of shows, they've, you know, been able to feature that. I really don't think that that women's match should have gone as long as it did at the first part no, of the show. No way. And that type of match, I think they sh- should learn from this. That type of match doesn't need to go on that long. I don't think 
all these matches need to go on that long. It's okay every now and then to have a five or six minute match if it's something that's, you know, I mean, obviously it's a women's match to feature Cheetah, but what does it really mean in the end? It's just going to end up being a win for her win loss record. So does it matter if it goes six minutes versus 15 minutes? Right. Um, And especially when you got this level of match ending your show, you want to give it as much time as possible. And hell, you'd even love to, instead of going 15 minutes, if you get, you know, if you plan on 15 minutes, kind of plan the show to give you that. And hopefully you'll have more time in the show that you can say, Hey, you know, we only had 15 planned, but you got a little bit more time to so go 20. Right. Um, you, I think they, I mean, and it's, it's a new show. They've still got time to learn, but you know, this is like an example of that women's match should probably on a lot, you know, shorter. They probably should have paid attention to some of their other angles that they did to cut them a little short and, you know, not drag out so much stuff when they've got this kind of big match. Cause I felt like this match suffered a lot from, a, not feeling that special because, like I said, the entrances at the beginning kind of caught me. And I was like, huh, that's a little strange. Right. And then to have this ending kind of fall flat the way it did, it was an entertaining match because, I mean, these two teams can't really have a bad match. But I felt it really hurt the match that kind of what ended up being the bad presentation of it. Yeah, that's fair. That and the fact that he messed up his yeah, Hurricane Rana, it was, that was bad. But yeah. There were so many cool little spots in this. Like, for example, there was a spot where Kazarian was covering Phoenix. Pentagon came in to break up the pinfall, right? Well, instead of just standing on top of him, Kazarian moves. And Pentagon kicks Phoenix, who's his brother and tag team partner. And it's just, it made him seem smart. It's not like the thousands and thousands of other wrestlers that we see just sit there and wait to get stomped on, just hoping that that hand will come down for the third time before it happens. So, right. I don't know, just little things like that. They're all just so, so talented. But I do wish this match had an extra five minutes. It would have made, you know, a big difference. It, I think it was okay. Meaning was okay. Because we don't get a lot of out-of-nowhere finishes in AEW. So, I don't want to bury it. But I I didn't lo- I didn't love the ending either. You're right. It wasn't the best. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the match is not bad. Because it's it was super entertaining. There's so many moves that these guys can pull off. Uh, I mean, Pentagon hit like the, you know, Canadian destroyer on Kazarian at one point out of like nowhere. And uh, Phoenix got a pop-up cutter on sky that were just awesome. I mean, there's so many good spots in this match. It's, it wasn't a bad match by any means, but it could have been a very special match and a very, you know, great match in the show. But I felt like it just fell flat because of the presentation and maybe the lack of time that they had. So uh, it's a, important lesson that they can learn, you know, like I said, that maybe the women's match, you know, with two women who probably in the end, it doesn't, I mean, it's not going to be like a number one contenders match or something. Obviously something like that, you can get more time. I'm not saying just take time away from the women, but just, you know, on this show, maybe from that specific match though. Yes. Or, you know, in turn, just matches that don't necessarily matter as much like the, the best friends, match you know maybe they could have cut some time on that or you know there's there's other examples but i think they'll hopefully learn that because lord knows wcw did that a lot and never learned from it Mm -hmm. so let's hope that if it's a problem that they can address it because like like you said i i did see the hangman and Pac stuff from last week but it, it did come off like something that was you know a little bit mistimed yeah no i totally get it i understand 
So if you were to grade AEW Dynamite week number five, what would you grade it? So yeah, I, I still really enjoyed this show. Uh, I thought it was you know a good show. Definitely not a boring show by any means like Raw kind of was. <laughs> so um, there was definitely some issues with it. Like I said, the, the women's match was probably a little bit too long. It ended up being okay. It wasn't a bad match by any means. And, and the main event lost a little bit of its, you know, um, specialty by kind of how they seemingly ran out of time. But, you know, I'm not going to fault the entire show for, you know, those negatives really. So I'll give it a solid, I'll give it a solid B. Okay. So again, there were some things here that kind of bothered me, but there wasn't really any point of this show where I was like, oh, this is boring. And I'm pretty sure this that's the exact same words that I said last week when I was reviewing AEW. Because it's just fun. When I sit down, I don't realize that I'm watching wrestling for two hours. There are nights where I watch Raw, because I'm the one that usually reviews Raw, and I go, oh my gosh, is it almost over? And it's 9.30, and we're barely yeah. halfway through it. But I didn't even realize the show was almost over. Like when, when they were going through the uh, the six-man tag... I'm like, oh, man, this must be close to the main event. And I realized that it was. It was like 9.30. And I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I'm and I'm having so much fun. So I don't know, man. I really, really enjoyed this show, even though some of it was just kind of dumb. So I, I, I'm going to give it the same grade I, I think I did last week. And I'm going to say B, even though, honestly, I enjoyed this show more than last week's show. Yeah, and we're being, I mean, we're being nitpicky on it. I, I feel like they still have room for improvement. Just imagine if they could improve on those things yeah. and not kind of repeat these same mistakes, how entertaining the show could be. Right. I mean, it's, 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 you know, got all the, all the potential in the world. Like for, it's so entertaining each week. It's it being two hours and not three hours is like, you know, the greatest thing on planet earth. Cause Lord knows we could, we don't need three more hours of wrestling to watch, but like you said, it kind of, and maybe that's kind of why I felt a little bit sour on the main event. Cause I was really having fun with the match and it did kind of end suddenly, but it, they did have a good bit of time. So maybe I was just so into it. It felt like it was a lot shorter than it you know needed to be or should have been. Um, but it was so entertaining that it kind of went quickly as well. So, you know, just an up and down entertaining show. I mean, it definitely has flaws, but Hey, I, I'll look past it. They're nothing that, you know, makes me bang my head against the wall. Like WWE does like every other segment. So yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I really enjoyed it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is episode 52 of Wrestle Life Radio. Again, I'm Matt Sid. I'm here with my cousin Kyle Pauly. You can follow us all on Instagram and Facebook at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on both of those at Wrestle Life Matt. You can follow Chris at Wrestle Life Heel on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow Kyle at Kyle.Pauly. Please like, share, subscribe. Please tell your friends. As always, we very much appreciate you and all you do for us, and we thank you for listening. If there's anything specific you want us to to discuss, please let us know. Uh, as you've probably figured out by now, we're not going to have a Crown Jewel show. Um, we just figured it's not worth our time. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just it's a glorified house show, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, a little bit when we review like Raw or SmackDown. We're not going to we're not going to dedicate a whole show to it, though. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll give some we'll give some you know we'll give a little short review. So either way, this has been the AEW Dynamite review. We'll have the NXT review up tomorrow with Mr. Chris Cumby. 
And then I will be back this weekend for SmackDown, hopefully joined by some people. So we'll see how that goes. One last time, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you so much. You are very much appreciated. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for listening, guys.